1: purpose to all of us. Join Hercules and Victus and crew as they seek answers to these and other timeless questions and serve Mount Olympus by safeguarding this path of mystic ascension. Welcome to the Pride of Olympus.
2: And Welcome to Pride of Olympus. Uh, I am, uh, at this particular point in time, uh, your engineer and your producer, Hercules Invictus. uh, And as the program progresses, I will move back into my uh, usual position as host or co-host and producer. So I'm wearing many hats today, and I'm extremely honored uh, to announce another episode of Nick Curdo's. Uh, you ran book with Nick, and tonight his guest is Bobby Dreyer. Welcome to your show, Nick, and welcome Bobby.
3: Well, oh, thank you so much, Hercules. It's always great to be here with you and uh with thank the you. listeners and look forward very much uh to our our amazing amazing series and By the way, you wear all those hats very, very well indeed, my friend.
2: That's what I thank let you, you know. Sir. I'm honored that you say so. It means a lot to me. Uh, So without further ado, I will leave you with your guests, and I'll be sitting here listening to your program.
3: Okay, Hercules, thank you so much. Again, I'm Nick Curto, your host. Uh, Very briefly, some background about me. Uh, I now live in Manhattan and have been here a good part of my life. I was born and raised in New England, Springfield, Massachusetts, to be precise. I went to the Massachusetts College of Art and Design in Boston and after graduation headed directly to New York City to begin my career and also to continue to explore my spiritual search as well as other big questions about life that we all have and want answered. I have been uh, studying the Arantia book uh, for about 35 years. It doesn't seem possible, but that's true. Um, It has been an expansive, breathtaking experience to explore this awesome wonderful, and truly loving book. Uh, The word Urantia means earth. I'm currently the outreach chair of the Urantia Society of Greater New York, uh, made up of Urantia book readers from New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. I've been the past president. We have meetings about every two months, and they are always a joy to attend. Um, I now also have a study group here in Manhattan that meets the first and third Sunday of each month throughout the year from one to two o'clock at the center 208 West 13th street in New York city. Uh, The welcome desk located on the ground floor when you enter the building will provide you with the room number that has been assigned to us for that day. The study group hour is free of charge. We read and discuss the Arantia book as we go through it. And I have a, would venture to say that all of those who attend the study group find it very rewarding experience on many, many levels. Everyone is welcome to join us. Uh, the Rancher Book has been translated in, I believe, 22 languages so far and counting. Uh, the Rancher Book is sold in better bookstores worldwide. And you can also read it on the Internet. Uh give you two websites if you want to get a, a piece of paper and a pen. Uh, First one is www.uranciabook.org. And the other website is www.urancia.nyc. Both of those are amazing websites, and I do wish that you would take a look at both of them. Okay, let's get right to it tonight. My featured guest program is a very dear friend and a longtime reader of the Rancher Book. A very warm welcome to you, Bobby Dreyer.
4: Wow, I'm I'm really excited, Nick. This is this is my first time on radio, and um, I I'm I'm excited to be talking about the Rancher Book with you and with, with all the listeners.
3: Absolutely, uh, uh, just a delight to have you, Bobby. I'm so glad that you can do this with me. Thank you so much for being on the program. I would like to start off the interview right from the very beginning. So let's get to that. Uh, where were you
4: born? I was born in Newark, New Jersey. Um, both uh, sets of grandparents lived in Newark. They were uh, refugees from, from uh, Eastern Europe. And uh, my parents met in Newark, married, and then I moved to, they moved to Hackensack, New Jersey, where I went through ninth grade, um, they moved to Teaneck when I was uh, after I graduated ninth grade and went to uh, tenth grade. And in tenth grade, I spotted the most handsome, uh, beautiful young man I had ever seen, and I said something said to me, uh, "That's <laughs> for you." And I started chasing him until he married me. So that was wow. uh Wow, that was uh, fifty-six years ago.
3: Now, did he give you quite a chase,
4: Bobby? I chased him, actually.
3: Okay, and you finally bagged him. <laughs>
4: you, you you netted him then. <laughs> I did, I did, cool. right. Uh,
3: Stephen Stephen is one of the most wonderful people that I've ever met, and you two an incredible couple, and always just a uh, very very dear dear close friends. Um, did you have uh, brothers and sisters? Did you come from a big family or?
4: I have uh, a, a brother who's three years younger and a sister who's six years younger. And we were not really very close growing up, but uh, when our parents were ill and uh, in need of help, the three of us got very close as we coordinated our efforts to kind of see them through their passing on to the next level of their adventure. So we're very close now.
3: So that That's good. And I also want to ask you, the growing up, Uh, Was there uh, spiritual or religious uh, practices in the family, uh, with mom and dad and your family?
4: Uh, My dad was, uh, as I say, a refugee from Poland. He came here when he was 16, spoke no English. Uh, He was trained in uh, Jewish schools in Poland. He spoke uh, Hebrew in school and Yiddish in his home. And when he came here and started raising his family, it was very important to him to maintain the religion and the tradition uh, of his heritage. And I actually had a very thorough um, Jewish education. I went to Hebrew school twice a week, and I went to Sunday school, and I went to what we called Saturday um, morning uh, services. And uh, I think I was probably the first girl, this is quite a long time ago, who led the services in our junior junior congregation. So uh, my mother didn't care very much about religion. Um, my father would have liked very much for her to keep a kosher home and uh, uh, keep maintain the traditions. But she, she really was not interested. And so... Uh, i i would say i had a you know i had a good a good religious upbringing it was he was a very moral man a very good man and um really set the uh the tone for me to to want to do good in life it was uh, it was a good it was a good childhood
3: oh i'm glad to hear that i'm glad to hear that and just briefly uh if you could touch on what schooling uh what, where you studied that sort of thing just briefly if you will
4: Sure. Um, I graduated at uh, Teaneck High School, and uh, then I'm a graduate of the University of Michigan, and I took a master's in special education at Yeshiva University in New York. Um, and then I became a teacher, and I taught, actually, I taught school for 37 years in uh, Teaneck, wow. New Jersey. Wow. Wow. Yeah.
3: Incredible. That's good for you.
4: Yeah, it was an awesome career, really. I mean, if you love it, there's nothing like it and if you don't you shouldn't be doing it you know they can't they can't pay you enough to do it if you if you're not really suited for it but for me it was perfect i i knew from the time i was a little girl that i wanted to be a teacher and um it was it was really an awesome career
3: oh that's great great glad to glad to hear that and let's move to the subject of the orange book and how did you happen to come across it or how did it come across you?
4: I was uh, very fortunate, really. Steve, my husband, was always a truth seeker. And uh, after we got married, he was continuing his search for truth. And I guess we tried every ism that was around at the time, uh, you know, the various gurus and uh, Scientology briefly and, uh, uh you know, the ver- the variety of, of uh experiences that people were having in the uh in the early sixties looking for what was truth. And eventually sure. a friend who found the a Book, um, uh, who was uh ill, we invited him to come stay with us to uh to heal. He had been in a very bad car accident. And sure. uh, while he was he was with us he kept dropping these little tidbits that intrigued Steve. And every time Steve would say, well, how do you know that, he'd say, well, I don't think you're ready for this information yet, you know, uh-huh. it's beyond you. But anyway, he was he was uh, baiting him, and uh, mm-hmm. eventually he told Steve that it was the Arantia book, and Steve went out and got a copy of it for him, and he, he didn't open it. He just uh, he was sort of depressed, and he, he was just hanging around, but Steve opened it, and... Um, I just saw such an incredible uh, peacefulness come over Steve as he started reading it. He'd always been looking for something that, that provided answers, and none of the other pursuits really had uh, had panned out. You know, he'd get excited at first, and then um, it, it would be a disappointment. But something mm-hmm. different happened when he started reading the Arantia book, and it was palpable. You know, I, I could just see that uh, something really important was happening. And although I was not really a seeker, um, I, I, I trusted him and I loved him. And once he started reading it, and I saw how how uh, obviously peaceful he was, uh, and how how much he was uh, spending time with it, I started reading it. So that was about forty five years ago, and wow. uh, we've been reading wow. it and involved in your Rancho book activities ever since. It's it's really been the center of our lives, the pursuit of. Uh, uh, who is God, you know, um, and the the uh, the desire to to have the consciousness of God in our lives, and and uh, that's really been central to everything that we've done.
3: Uh, I know that's true. It certainly is. It reflects in your life, and I know you're saying that it, it's like when Steve was experiencing that, reading it for the first time. It it does give you uh, such a, a sense of peace and wonder, and. The book is 2,000 pages, and it, it's so, so breathtaking as you go through it. You're just in, at least I was in awe of reading, absolute awe. And uh, I tell people it's a little bit like potato chips, like once you start it,
5: <laughs> you start
3: to stop. And I really do mean that. Um, I remember the first time I got a hold of it, and I had some plans for the weekend. And I remember opening that book, I think, on a Friday. And then it was it was Monday morning <laughs> and the weekend was spent with the Urantia book. I really couldn't put it down except to eat. You know, it was it was an amazing book, an amazing beginning. So totally get what you're saying. Um, um when you uh started reading it, were you reading it with Steve or were you were you reading it alone at with the different spurts?
4: Well we were very lucky. We we read it for about a year, um with, with his friend who was living with us. The three of us were reading it. And then uh, Steve called the publisher to find out if there was anybody else in the world who was reading it because it, it was so different from anything that we'd ever looked at before. And we were put in touch with a family uh, who lived about an hour and a half away, visited them, and uh, became lifelong friends. They had seven children, and wow. we had one, and our son was just, uh, smack in the middle age-wise, if they're seven kids and gained seven brothers and sisters just like that, uh, and it was because we saw, you know, the spirit of love alive in their family and that they were sort of living what what we were reading about in the book, that I think uh, we became so so um, involved. Really, you know, it, we we knew that it wasn't just words; it was touching people's lives in a very real way. And uh, we, we got very involved in the uh, Urantia book, what was then called the uh, Urantia Brotherhood at that time, um, and have been very involved in, in study groups and uh, uh, conferences and uh, really traveling all over the world to meet other people who were reading it, you know, as a consequence of our involvement. It just brought us in contact with a, a variety of people we never could have met had we not come in contact with the book. You know, young, oh, old, variety of uh, of education and experience. It's, it's just been an incredible adventure.
3: Uh, absolutely. The word adventure is exactly the right word, I think, too, because uh, you, you do get in touch with people you would never meet, probably wouldn't have met otherwise, uh, not just in the city but worldwide. Uh, when I go on uh, occasional trips, I look to see if there's a study group in the area I'm going to be, and I contact them. Usually uh, you can find out, oh well, you can find out if they're going to have a study group and what day and time it's going to be by going to the websites and finding that out. And I've contacted them and asked if uh, I could come in. And uh, It's always been, please do. We welcome you. And uh, every time I've done that, whether it was in um, Hawaii at one point or if it was in Texas and, and other places, it's always been an amazing experience to meet other Urantia book readers and to share an hour or two of reading the book and discussing it. And I recommend that to anyone who's uh, reading the book is to, to do that. It's a, it's a wonderful way to meet other people and to share the book. Um, when, I know that when I started reading the book, Bobby, um, I went immediately to the um, index, and saw all these incredible chapter headings and thought those, I selected uh, probably a half a dozen at least, and, and went and jumped into those first because I, I thought this is my peak interest with these different chapters. So I, I went different places in the book and read those particular chapters, and um, uh, that, that just spurred me on to, okay, once I did that, now it's time to start at page one. Um, so did you read the book like uh, when you were doing it from the beginning all the way through, or did you, did you skip around the beginning like I did?
4: I think I started looking at uh, what it had to say about marriage and family life, and that intrigued me. Uh, mm-hmm. I was also interested in what it had to say about Adam and Eve, which is a very different story from what we learn in the Bible, uh, oh yes. Eventually, I, I I started at the beginning and uh, basically in study groups, I've probably been through it uh, maybe three or four times. But uh, every time I'm interested in a particular subject, I go to the index and I I find the references to it. And when I'm interested in in learning the truth about something that's been puzzling me, I always find answers just uh, that that touch me to the depths of my soul, and I. Uh, at times I've just cried with, with joy from, from how beautiful uh, the presentation of the truth is in that book. It's, it's just been um, such an incredible gift.
3: Oh, a gift is right. I remember uh, one of the things I wanted to find in the book was anything to do with if you ever will see people that you love that have, have passed on, um, I, at one point in my life, I lost uh, in, in, in one area a, a great many of my dearest friends and relatives and my mother and dad. And, of course, that is one of those very important key questions is that will we ever see them again or or, or know them again? And the Rancho book goes into extraordinary detail on that very subject. And it was an amazing uh, realization uh, of what they were saying about the fact that uh, you' you are this is the beginning of your universal career and if you choose to go forward, one of the things that you will uh, have uh, very very quickly will be um, a rekindling of knowing the people that you love that have gone on before and that was just one of the little tidbits that that just made me so interested in and finding out much more And then exploring the chapters Were there any other things that you thought I wonder if that's in the book It's something I really want to find out You had mentioned one already Were there any other points that you wanted to explore
4: Well you know uh, Growing up Jewish it was very difficult For me to uh, overcome The uh, realization That Jesus is divine I think that was one of the hardest things For me And mm-hmm. uh, It was um, really by reading the, the uh, Jesus papers, the story of Jesus from before he came to this planet to after he left and returned, in almost minute-by-minute minute detail, that uh, uh, was the, the biggest revelation for me, because, you know, we, we kind of grow up with ideas about God. We all have different ideas about God based on the uh, the, re- the religious experience we've had, but in reading the life and teachings of Jesus, I, I, I felt that I was seeing God as, as a person, how, how a person who lived a God-like life would live. And it, it was so perfect, you know, it just so, so touched me as, yes, you know, I just kept saying, yes, this is, this is the way it should be. This is, this is really the way life should be. And if, if life were like this, you know, it would be like we were living in paradise. And uh, I fell in love with him, and um, overcame my my resistance to the idea that, uh, um, you know, the Lord God uh, is 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 the one and only God, which is of course what I had grown up with uh, in the Jewish religion, and um, the realization that that God God uh, appears in many manifestations, and that uh, Jesus is. Is really uh, the, the uh, personification of, of of a god-like man, of a god-man living on Earth and and revealing what a perfect life would be, how how to to really love, you know, what is the spirit of love, and 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 uh, that was just just amazing. I mean. I, I recommend that to everybody. It was just great, and and you know the interesting thing is that my dad was kind of getting concerned about my involvement with Jesus, and um, I, I convinced him because it's true. I I remain uh, Jewish to the core. I love being a Jewish person but mm-hmm. the religious life of Jesus is really what, what uh, has motivated my life. It's not about Jesus. It's, it's what was his religion, how did he live. That's what the life and teachings of Jesus is about. You know, and, and I think one of the revelations to me was, and I think this is pretty interesting, that uh, uh, Christianity has brought a lot of people to, to the love of Jesus, but Christianity is about Jesus. And the Arantia book is the life of Jesus, the religion of Jesus, which is a little bit has a little different take on it. You know, it's it's uh, not calling attention to to Jesus, but Jesus calling attention to his love for his Father in heaven and the, and the reality that we are all beloved children of God, our Father. That was that was really what he was uh, bringing to to the people, the knowledge that that if we recognize the reality that God is our Father, that in fact we are all brothers and sisters. And how amazing would it be if everybody experienced the reality of that fact?
3: Oh, absolutely true. And I have to totally agree with you, Bobby, that fourth section, uh, the final section of the book, it's in four sections, The the Life and teachings of Jesus, that is such an extraordinary experience from the very first word of, the, of that section. Uh, it, it just totally draws you in. It gives you a, an in-depth experience of who was there surrounding Jesus, his family, his friends, the apostles. Who was, what were they saying? What were they really like? What were their problems? What was their times really like? And how did they navigate under such incredible circumstances? And you see this, this incredible man, this, uh, this amazing man, a divine man who, who was giving loving answers and would, would speak with the smallest child or the oldest person who, who treated everyone with, with great love. And it's just an amazing uh, adventure to go through that. And, Unlike the the Bible, it gives you all the missing years, all the things that were going on. And that was extraordinary, too. Um, I was raised Roman Catholic. Uh, My father's uh, youngest sister became a nun in the Catholic Church. And at one time I was going to be a priest. I think when I was 18, 19, I was really thinking maybe that was a direction. But um, there were things in the church that I really had a hard time with. Um, Some of the teachings I didn't agree with at all. And um, some of the things that were going on in the particular church I was attending uh, actually made me question quite a bit. So, um, with that uh, coming to New York, I, I delved into various religions and spiritual teachings because I really wanted to know other other what was going on with other people and what they were finding. And I ended up uh, leaving Saint Patrick's Cathedral, uh, where I was going every Sunday, and going every Sunday to. Uh, Unitarian Church uh, here in uh, Upper East Side, uh, the All Souls Unitarian Church. And after going there for two years on a Sunday, uh, uh, on a Sunday morning, the last reading the minister said was, and now we're going to read a passage from the Orangia book. And I thought, the Orangia book, maybe that's Eastern Indian. I never heard of that word before. And he read a couple of paragraphs and then uh, said to everyone, you know, you may go in peace, and everyone filed out of the, this wonderful church, I was absolutely stunned. I think I stayed there in the pew for maybe 20 minutes because I, I really was thinking, I was looking for this kind of teaching, and I just heard it, and I was trying desperately to remember the word Urantia so that I could look it up and find out more about it. So we all have various ways of uh, of getting to to hear about this, this book, and uh, needless to say, uh, I learned much more about it. I talked to people. Uh, I joined a study group. Robin and Helene Jorgensen, uh, God bless them, have an amazing study group. have had it for many years, and I was there uh, uh, studying with them. It was an extraordinary experience. Um, they still have the study group going um, in Battery Park City. They've moved uh, to, the, to there. And um, it was an extraordinary experience. I met incredible people, and we, we thought about the book, discuss the book in real depth and uh well robin's been on the show by the way a couple of times and he's also uh, going to be in the new year he's going to be also again on the program um so again it answers a lot of questions like you said like i was finding also what surprised you bob was there anything that really surprised you about the book uh, just like wow this is an aha moment
4: well, I think you know I I, I never was a very uh, deep thinker. I, I was a happy kid and um, friendly. You know, life was good, so I I wasn't really searching. But when I started reading the Arantia book and I read the cosmology, which so expands your mind about what 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 is the cosmos. I mean, we we are one of of. Trillions of, of uh, celestial uh, uh, planets, both both those that have evolved and those that were created. I mean, infinity just goes on and on and on and on, and then there's eternity that goes on and on and on. The description of paradise, and then the the worlds that surround paradise, and then the seven uh, super universes that surround the the worlds that surround paradise i mean my my concept of how uh enormous the cosmos really is was just totally totally expanded and the the uh the beauty of it is that it gives you a sense of of your place in a friendly cosmos you know it gives you a perspective of of uh not only um uh how small you are, but, but how important you are. You know, even though you're a tiny part of this enormous creation, in God's eyes, you are his beloved child. And uh, that, was, that was just stunning to me, you know, to, 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 to sort of uh, have a sense of, of, you know, not that I'm just this person living on this planet, but that, that there are many, many, many planets inhabited and inhabitable planets. And it's just very exciting to keep reading it and, and keep I mean it's a lifetime project really. Anybody who, who reads it seriously reads it forever because the uh the the, the detail about about uh, God's creation is just, you know, too much to even begin to comprehend. So that that to me is like amazing, you know. It's it's just great. Yeah.
3: Oh, I, I totally agree with that. Absolutely. And I've always been interested to and uh, what what do we have uh, other other brothers and sisters on other planets and other galaxies and what what would that be like and how do they live and there's a, there's a couple of chapters in the book that talk about a, a government uh, on on another planet and that was an extraordinary experience and I happen to love sci-fi of course and that's one of my my main uh, loves and so uh, but but hearing hearing those what those details and facts were from a a spiritual book put a whole nother light on it and I I was glued Uh, also uh, the the fact that uh, uh, for the seventh bestowal and how Jesus came and found this tiny little planet uh, in uh, uh, the uh, outskirts of something called the Milky Way and chose this planet uh, to to have his uh, I believe seventh uh, incarnation and all that was just an extraordinary read, and I recommend that to anyone uh, if you want to start somewhere. That, that will leave you uh, breathless. Absolutely did with me and many other friends also, and that's just one little tiny part of the book. And also, Bobby, what you said, too, is even though it goes into extraordinary detail about how how the universe, uh, super universe is laid out, and here we are on a tiny little speck of a planet and yet they say you are important you are an important um, um, being uh, that you are you are you have a loving father who wants you to know him and know his uh, unlimited love unlimited love and it goes into such detail and you, you sometimes you just have to stop because you might be crying or, or have a lump in your throat because that's how, that's how this book affects, affects you. Uh, I, I don't think anybody can go ahead and read the book and not be totally moved by what it's saying uh, on such a level. Another thing, Bobby, too, I have to just mention that this book was brought to us uh, in the, what was it, 1910, 1920?
4: It was actually published in 1955, but it, it was right. in process. Uh, for Yeah, for, for a couple of decades before
3: Right, and would you be so kind as to just briefly How did this book come to us in the first place What, what mechanism or how did this happen would you, Could you just share a little bit of that
4: Well, you know, Nick, it's really uh, shrouded in mystery, I think Because it, it claims to be uh, an epical revelation of truth and the celestial beings, uh, the celestial personalities who who put it together did not want there to be any human um, association so that there wouldn't be any, uh, you know, hero worship or, or uh, a divinity attached to any humans associate, associated with its production. So nobody really uh knows. Those those who knew uh, have all gone on to what the Rancher book describes as the mansion worlds which which uh, are the next step in the journey after we leave this planet. And um you know, my my understanding of the story is uh, as mythical as anybody else's. I mean, uh what 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 this the story is that that there was a a man who was saying things in his sleep that uh, seemed to make uh, a lot of sense, and his wife called a doctor to come in and, and uh, listen to him, and the doctor, who had been uh, debunking um, mystics and, and, and mediums, felt that this was genuine in some way, in a way that, uh, that he had never experienced uh, this kind of, of, uh, of uh, uh, speaking before. And by, by some means, over a period of years, what he was saying during the night, this man uh, either appeared in print or was transcribed by someone, but uh, as the papers were coming through, there was a group of people called the Forum who would gather, listen to what was was uh, had been transcribed, ask questions, and then the next week when they met, there would be answers to their questions. So it was over a period of many, many years that this group met, and... Uh, uh, this process went on until a couple of uh, very wealthy people agreed to, to put the material in print. And in 1955, the book was actually uh, published in Chicago. And I don't know how many printings it's been through now. I, I think maybe uh, 14 or 15 printings. But um, it's, it's a bestseller, and uh, there's never been any real advertising. Most of the Uh, The word about the book has been, you know, word word of mouth. People asking people, you know, what is it that motivates you? Why, you know, how come you're such a a loving person, you know, or how did you know that? Or why do you think that? Now, of course, with the Internet, uh, it's completely available all around the world. But as you said, it's been translated into 22 languages and... um, you know as i say uh, i would say to anybody who's interested read it as though it's science fiction read it read it as a skeptic read it to try to find fault with it and uh you know if it touches your heart and your soul the way it does most people who look at it then then uh, you're on for the adventure of a lifetime it's it's the never ending story and it's 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 just uh, a great adventure into the love of life and the love of people and Constantly meeting new brothers and sisters, you know that you that you uh, regard as family. Uh, it's you know, but it, the way it actually came about is really not known by anybody. There's there's lots of stories, but nobody really knows the truth.
3: Right now, the the doctor you mentioned was Doctor William Sadler, and and he lived with his wife in Chicago at that time, right?
4: Yes, and he is a. Uh, uh, was a, a a prolific writer. I think he wrote 40 books uh, on his own. His book on psychology was uh, the book that I think was used in the medical schools. Um, and uh, he he also was a speaker on the Chautauqua Circuit, which was a um, a speaker circuit where where people of note uh, get, uh, came to to share their expertise. Uh, I think it may still be going on today. There are centers around the United States called uh, the Chautauqua centers but um it was in his home that these meetings took place, and um he he was uh, probably the person most responsible for getting the book published but uh how it actually came about is just totally a mystery and and it has to uh you know speak for itself not not because of the uh the the the, um, the famous uh, nature of its author or uh, movie stars who read it and believe it or you know either either it touches you or it doesn't the only way to know is to is to read it and to read it as a skeptic and and see see what you think
3: you're absolutely right Bobby and the other thing too that uh, comes to mind is that if you look at the photographs of the of that era. 1910, 20 30, 40, 50 and you see what they were wearing and how they were being transported around what they were eating and what they were thinking and then you you read this book I can't even begin to imagine how extraordinary the book would sound to those people at that time. I mean it's still cutting totally cutting edge here right now in 2019. But to go back that far and have them reading these, these amazing uh, pages um, of, of facts, and it, it involves physics, it involves science, uh, and extraordinary things that are being said in the book, uh, they must have just uh, it were in awe, I would think, that and like what in the world are we reading and, and, and trying to examine it. And like you said, they had questions, and then – they posed those questions, and eventually those questions were answered by by when, when, uh, the subject the sleeping subject is how they referred to the person who was was putting this uh, out. Um, and I, from what I understood, uh, one version is that when he would awaken after these extraordinary statements, uh, that he as a person didn't really know didn't have the education to talk about this and yet was in in, in amazingly uh, accurate about what he was saying and that he wasn't really when he woke up uh particularly concerned or interested in in what was had been said that he really you know just was someone the, the information went through him not from him and uh that that and, and then to have his wife like you said, concerned about him and trying to find out what was really going on. I mean, that that story would make one heck of a movie, don't you think? Or even I opera. think
4: I I think so. You know, Nick, would it be interesting to to read the uh, first paragraph from the book? Because I I, I think that might uh, give people a feeling for for the the scope of what we're talking about here.
5: Oh,
3: I would love that, Bobby. Please do.
4: Yeah. So this is, this is from the foreword, and uh, now this is, this is a, uh, a supermortal uh, personality speaking. In the minds of the mortals of Urantia, that being the name of your world, there exists great confusion respecting the meaning of such terms as God, divinity, and deity human beings are still more confused and uncertain about the relationships of the divine personalities designated by these numerous appellations. Because of this conceptual poverty associated with so much ideational confusion, I have been directed to formulate this introductory statement in explanation of the meanings which should be attached to certain word symbols as they may here and after be used in those papers which the Orvantan core of truth revealers have been authorized to translate into the English language of Urantia. Orvantan is the, uh, the name of the super universe of which there are seven surrounding uh, paradise. So they go on to say, it is exceedingly difficult to present enlarged concepts and advanced truth in our endeavor to expand cosmic consciousness and enhance spiritual perception when we are restricted to the use of a circumscribed language of the realm. But our mandate admonishes us to make every effort to convey our meanings by using the word symbols of the English tongue. We have been instructed to introduce new terms only when the concept to be portrayed finds no terminology in English which can be employed to convey such a new concept partially or even with more or less distortion of meaning. And then the foreword goes on to uh, describe some of the words that are used as you read the book, which are not uh, words in the English language, because there were no words in the English language to describe these concepts that are so advanced that they are just beyond our comprehension. So it's, it's, it's just a, an amazing uh, work. I, you know, I, I usually say when, when people ask me about it, uh, the Urantia book claims to be the uh, fifth epical revelation of truth to the planet now, the 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 first two um, are are not considered, uh, uh, I, I think, by modern man as as uh, as epical revelations. I mean, there, there's one which which um, people probably haven't even heard of that, that was prior to the uh, Garden of Eden, and then there's the Garden of Eden, which is the the second, and then you have the third, fourth, and fifth. Um, the, uh, the third being the, the revelation of the Old Testament. Really, uh, 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 we think of the revelation of Abraham and Moses, of the, the uh, revelation of monotheism, which was uh, uh, the revelation of one God to a people who were who were worshiping many, many gods, and uh, this was this was a major revelation. But it was to a Bedouin uh, people who were primitive and whose only concept of God at that time was was uh, uh, or could be a God who who uh, told them what they shouldn't do, you know. Thou That's shalt right. not this, thou shalt not that. The, the, the Ten Commandments are mostly thou shalt not. Of course, you can find a God of love in the Old Testament, but, but basically the Old Testament is a... Uh, a God, uh, is a uh, work of uh, law. It's a revelation of the law. In fact, the first five books of the Old Testament, uh, known to Jewish people as the Torah, uh, are are the books of the law. The to, to the word Torah actually means law. So okay. so the concept of God was pretty much a God of law uh, to the people of that time. That was what they were basically, maybe uh, psychologically ready to to comprehend after having comprehended, uh, uh, worshipped all these these, uh, many, many idols. So 2,000 years after that, you have the next revelation of truth, which is the the revelation of Jesus when people were 2,000 years more evolved and now ready to... um, Understand a greater revelation of who God was, and so uh, Jesus came to to share the his loving father now now God is presented not only as the Lord God of Israel, who is the the Lord of a nation, but as the God the personal God of every person on earth the, and that each person is the beloved of this this loving father so so Jesus uh, was able to 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 reveal God to people who could understand more, more of God. Now, the Arantia book, 2,000 years after the revelation of Jesus, claims to be the fifth revelation of truth, and it is for people who recognize uh, that there is likely life on other planets, that the heavens go beyond the stars that we can see, uh, who have knowledge of science and technology, and uh, are able to, to have a greater revelation of God. And a, a, a large part of the Arantia book is who is, who is uh, God that we can understand in this age. So uh, it's, it's, I mean, that, that is just amazing to me that we are in possession of a book that is, is of the same uh, epic quality as the Old and New Testaments. This is a testament for our time. And probably for the next 2,000 years until the next revelation uh, comes, when people are 2,000 years more evolved and ready for an even greater revelation of God.
3: And you know, when you were reading the forward, uh, when I read that forward, it had me—it had me at that first paragraph. <laughs> I went, "Oh, bro! Oh, wow! Oh, boy! This is this is an aha moment. I can't wait to turn the next page and see what's going on." That forward is extraordinary. Uh, And it just really goes right to, to your, your very being that this is, this is going to give you knowledge that you only dreamt you might have someday. And here it is being presented. And, you know, another thing too, that you mentioned, Bobby, uh, Bobby, is about the, um, the laws, the, you know, in the early ages, and it's the law, it's the law. And a lot of people still say I'm a God fearing person. And I, It really bothers me when they say God-fearing, because if there's one thing the Arantia book says, it's a God-loving, a God-loving person, because he has limitless love for each and every one of us, not only on this planet, but but on all the various realms. And uh, so so God-fearing seems to be an old-fashioned concept. Uh, I don't think that the uh, universal father God would want us to be in fear at all? If anything, to to express and to and to give others uh, reflect his love, his limitless love to others. Uh, don't you agree?
4: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I I have had uh, uh, one experience in my life when I uh, I I could say I really felt that I I so, uh, got rid of my own sense of, of, of self that God spoke through me in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, uh, situation when I was, I was really scared. And, um, I, I, I pray always that, that I can, uh, let God, l- let, let me reveal God in my life. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess we don't have very much time left, but I could probably uh, share this with you, um, Nick, because it's it's uh, something that has has really affected me deeply, and I I, I pray to uh, be able to to go and do likewise as I go forward in my life. Um,
3: oh, please I, please go ahead. Yeah. Yes, we have. Uh, I think we got about um, maybe eight minutes or so. So please go ahead.
4: So I I, I was teaching in a uh, school district where the population had. Um, increasingly become be, become more African American, and it was a, quite a progressive school. And we teachers really did care about uh, the kids, and we were we were very devoted to, um, to 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 doing the best job we could. But unfortunately, uh, there was a group of parents who believed that because there were many uh, African American children in remedial programs and fewer in the honors programs, and uh, a greater proportion in special education that we were not really being fair and teaching them adequately. And uh, they called on the federal government and um, uh, the school district, uh, they they were accusing the school district of being institutionally racist. And um, there were were monitors around sort of uh, walking into the classrooms to make sure that we were you know doing what we were supposed to be doing, it was a very difficult time, and the teachers were all kind of very nervous and 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 walking on eggshells it was It was really a terrible time um, a, uh, a a new family moved into town uh, an african american family and the the mother who knew what was going on went to the principal and said, "I don't want my child in a classroom until I interview the teacher and um, the principal sent her to uh, To have a conference with me The child was going into first grade And um, we sat At a a little table in my classroom And she got very close Into my face And uh, she said to me I know what's going on in this town And I know that you white teachers Are not really giving our kids A fair shake And I am going to be watching you And I expect you To be doing your best for my son She was absolutely in my face and Ouch. I, Ouch. i could i i could i could feel the blood rush into my head and my <laughs> m- m- i could feel the the pulse and you know my, my my uh i was scared i was very it was a terrible feeling and i oh, closed yeah. my eyes and i said to myself i said father help me and I, I, I just stayed there for a moment. And when I opened my eyes, I said to her, Nicholas is so lucky to have an advocate like you for a mom. I can't imagine what my life would have been like if my mother cared as much about me as you care about him.
3: Oh, boy. Wow. What well, happened then? How did that was-
4: how did
3: that?
4: she was completely disarmed and and you know i was like stunned because those were not my words my words would have been i love teaching i love kids i'm doing i would have been completely defensive and defending myself because i really did try to do my best but that was that was the spirit of truth speaking through me or the father or jesus because because in spirit god knew that what was happening in that moment was that, that it was that mother's love for her child that was speaking, not her uh, anger at me. And, and, and that is God's vision, you know. He sees the best in everyone, and that's what he wants from each of us, that we should see each other in that way and know that, that people are motivated uh, to do their best and to see that in them and to, to uh, uh, behave in your life as though uh, each person that you run into is your brother or your sister and that you love them the way you love your child. And and in that moment, uh, I knew that that, that, that Jesus was real and that that God was real and that I wanted to live my life, you know, with that that consciousness. And I I take actually 20 minutes every morning and I sit and I say, Father, this is my time with you. You know, I, I just want to know what you want me to do today, what you'd like me to say. I want to keep you in consciousness. And then I close my eyes, and I just rest with God. And um, wow. I try I just try to keep the, the, the consciousness that he's with me all day long. It's that's not easy, and I can't say I'm very to, uh, successful, but, but that's Today's what I show, we have to
2: start winding up our journey. Uh, thank you. That was incredibly powerful. Uh, what well, did you share tonight?
4: Well, Bobby, it was a, a pleasure. A I, I, I'm, I'm delighted to be able to share it. Thank you.
2: And, and Bobby, would you like to share any contact information before you go? Uh, yeah, well. I would
4: say that the, that the websites that uh, that uh, Nick has given at the beginning of the program will take you to incredible resources, and yes. uh, that's the way to go by all means. And the Arantia book is is uh, a revelation of our loving Father and. And all and everything—it's a guidebook to to life that will just bring you amazing fulfillment and happiness. So that's that's all I'd like to say.
2: And those well, links are available on the uh, um, on Facebook, uh, along with the links uh, to this uh, particular show. Nick, is there anything you'd like to uh, add before we close?
3: Yes. Uh, first yes. of all, Bobby, well, accept an invitation to come back and do a second part at some point in the future. Awesome. We I'm to do glad
2: that. to hear that.
3: I would, I would really love that. Bobby, you're just you're amazing. You're amazing. What a loving, wonderful person. And to share with you that story at the end especially, thank you so much. Um, I want to give out my, uh, my email. If anybody wants to come back to for uh, any reason, a uh, chat or leave a comment, I would welcome that. And my email is n-i-c-k-n-y-n-y, the number one, at gmail.com. So that's the figure one, not O-N-E, but not one. So nick, N-Y-N-Y-1, at gmail.com. And I welcome any comments or thoughts that any of our listeners might have.
2: Thank you very much. As always, it was an awesome episode and an awesome spiritual uh, experience, and uh, I'm eagerly looking forward uh, to the next one. Uh, We're going to take a very quick break and listen to Bone Poets Orchestra's Evolve. And then we'll be back with Magister Setna and the Ptolemaic spiritual tradition. What's Hercules Invictus, and I'm very honored to announce our next guest, Magister Setna, who is the Sion of Chemi and the Keeper of the ancient Ptolemaic uh, tradition. Greetings and welcome, Magister Setna, to Pride of Olympus.
6: Uncle Jacques and welcome, Hercules.
2: Thank you. I'm greatly honored to be uh, working with you. I've gotten to know you through uh, Facebook and uh, telephone conversations. Uh, You've been on the show before, and uh, I'm very impressed at uh, the uh, burden that you're shouldering. Uh, You're the Sion of ancient uh, Egypt and the keeper of its ancient uh, traditions. Uh, You've kept them alive throughout your lifetime, both uh, alone and in the company of others. Uh, and I'm very honored to be working with you.
6: Thank you. I am also, I also know you. I have met many other Kemetic peoples. I am called a Semsu, which is a high priest. Mm-hmm. And I, I love what I do. We, I am here to educate people in what we do, and as much as I can, give people truth rather than um, myth.
2: Um, That is uh, very uh, notable, and your heritage and lineage uh, in this incarnation uh, is uh, above board uh, as well. Um, You had your start with uh, Herman uh, Slater's uh, uh, group, and uh, I remember as a youth in uh, New York, uh, the Warlock Shop and then later on the Magical Child were like meccas, uh, where you can go to get uh, books uh, Uh, all sorts of equipment and meet others of uh, like mind. Many, many years
6: ago, I would say, what, 1970, 72, I was getting paperbacks called Green Egg, and there was a funny place on Fulton Street in Brooklyn called the Warlock Shop. And all of a sudden, my whole world changed. This man, Herman Slater, came to my school, uh, my, my library in Uniondale, and started talking about witchcraft in New York.
5: Uh-huh.
6: As I said before, what he didn't know was the entire audience was my cousin, my group. We were all laughing. Here is a guy from Brooklyn who doesn't know Long Island is loaded with witches, and it is. <laughs> and we, we we were delighted that this man brought, you know, we were in the we were in the broom closet back then. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. So. People didn't talk about it. You know, it was like, oh, my God, they would think you were like, you know, Angora or Samantha or Maurice. They didn't think you were real. Well, we are, aren't we? And my calling came from my own heritage, which is um, Celtic and British magic. Mm-hmm. As I said to you before, my calling is Egypt. I didn't choose them. They chose me from before my birth. And I'm proud of that. I am dedicated to the great Anid, Isis, Osiris, Nephthys, Set, Horus, Tehute, Ra, Mut, Shu, Keshush, Geb, and we are We are here to bring that energy back. It's coming loudly now. We have many, many people all over the world that are realizing that Egypt, of course, was the beginning of much, much magic in the West and the East.
2: Yes. Um, I have been uh, having on my show, and I've been uh, working with the material from uh, uh, many of the world's uh, um, finest theurgists. And uh, theurgy, of course, arose during the Greco-Egyptian era, the Hellenistic era, as uh, it's sometimes called. And it's, it's kind of defined between uh, the time of Alexander the Great and Cleopatra, and then a little bit beyond uh, during the time of Caesar. So uh, during that era, there, w- there was a synthesis of uh, uh, all of these ancient systems of magic and a separation into exoteric and esoteric. And, of course, we're esotericists. Um, and, uh, you know, these are the sacred traditions that are universal, universally true, regardless of which uh, cultural guise that they uh, um, are presented in. And just as you were called by Egypt, I was called by my ancestors, the Olympians, and uh, that's been a very fulfilling path uh, for me. And uh, in learning about the Greco-Egyptian uh, understandings, uh, I've gained a lot of insight and a lot of uh, wisdom. So uh, I'm looking forward to the future conversations that uh, we will have when we have a little bit more time uh, on these uh, uh, areas of uh, mutual uh, interest.
6: Well, you brought well, up Yes. She was a Hellenistic Greek who also followed Egypt. And that was brilliant. Yes. She took... She took she called herself Isis Aphrodite, and she called her lovers Horus Apollo. She combined both of the traditions of which she was part, so that she was able to bring about a synthesis between both cultures, and that was amazing. And I learned oh, more that was about most that. Amazing. I learned more about that as I learned about her. The Ptolemies, for the most part. Realized the only way they could rule Egypt was to become Egyptian, and after all, they were Greek, and they yes. didn't know anything about the culture. They didn't care what they learned, and they learned. And Egypt, Egypt's a funny place. You don't conquer Egypt; it conquers you. <laughs> it, you become Egyptian, there's no way anybody who lives with Egypt long enough stays as they are. Egypt. When you drink of the Nile water, you'll return. And and I have you, many
2: past lives.
6: Go ahead. I'm sorry, Hercules.
2: No, no, no. Continue. You're, you're the guest here.
6: All I was saying is, I know from my experiences with past life regression, I have many, many past lives in Egypt. And Comwes, Cessna was one of them. He was a high priest of Amun during the reign of Ramses III. He could have been a Pharaoh. He decided that he would be a high priest and served the people, and he did. And this interesting character, he learned about a mysterious book of Ra, which when he opened, he vanished. But we know that that book had incredible knowledge in it. Now, one other thing we can bring into this, the ancients also believed that their gods and goddesses came from the stars. The Atlanteans, certainly the Olympians and the Egyptians all believed that their gods were starry beings does that make them aliens? possibly the Egyptians believed that their gods and goddesses in the Teru came from uh, near the star Sirius in the area of Sotis so this is interesting because now we're looking more and more at this did these people come and help and I hope they did Yes, that
2: is an area I find of of great uh, interest And actually tonight I'll be a guest on uh, another show Where I'll be talking about uh, this very thing that you're talking about
6: You have taken the name of a great, great god Hercules, a demigod And you know that he was a real being, a real person Yes And that they have found a tomb of Hercules recently.
5: Yes.
6: And I'm wondering, they haven't opened it yet, I'm wondering what they will find.
2: That, that should be interesting to find out. Will there be human remains, you think?
6: Or will there be large?
2: Well, there are many um, indications, if you read the writings of the ancients, that uh, Hercules is a, a title. And the initiations for it are out there, but they're hidden. Uh, And part of the path is finding the the golden thread and then following it. Uh, And then once you found it, sharing it. So uh, um, if you look at uh, many of the ancient writers, they'll talk about Hercules, but but they'll they'll just be describing a different individual. Like, for instance, there was a Hercules who was an architect. Uh, There was a Hercules who used to drain swamps. Uh, there were several Herculeses who were strong men. So um, it's actually a distinct spiritual class within the Olympian uh, tradition.
6: It is the same in the English, the ancient British traditions with Merlin. There were nine or ten people identified as Merlin that we know of. It wasn't just this guy from King Arthur. That goes back centuries. And it is also true of Tehucate, of Hermes Trismegistus, three times yes. the greatest Hermes. Many, many, many of these people embodied the god Khehušen, the god of wisdom. And this is funny because he's also connected to Hathor and Neith, nice and in your world, Athena. Yes, Athena is all. She's the goddess of wisdom. So here you have a woman that is connected to and again, connected to the Egyptians and yet a Hellenistic being. So that's incredible. And you mentioned, we'll go back for a second, to Magical Child. Magical Child, um, the warlock shop, was a, like all roads lead to Rome, all magic Mm -hmm. left to Magical Child. We had lectures, books, herbs, oils, amulets, charms, everything you could think of. It was a, a big repository, a big place where you could find anything you needed and you got help. The people there were extremely educated, especially yeah. Herman. You mentioned Eddie Brzezinski. One of the high, I would call him a high priest, high priest. It was a man who embodied definitely the God. He was a brilliant being much, much missed, but his spirit's still alive and he's here. And he was involved with the energy from Mykonos and the, the, the islands of the Greeks. He was a Minoan, yeah. Atlantean, I would say. And he, was, and he knew also of the ancient Celtic and, and Welsh traditions. He was Guidian. The man had no limits. And he was kind and open to all people around him. And, and I, I was very lucky to be educated by these people, by um, Lady Rhea and Herman and Eddie and Valerie Rusakella, Lady Rihanna. I was lucky to have these people in my life at so young an age. I was a teenager. I walked in there blind. I was a neotype, quote-unquote, witch, and I didn't know where I was going. And they gave me direction, and I grew. And as I grew, I learned, I learned where I needed to be, and that's what I do now as an elder, help people find their path, as you do.
2: Is Lady Rhiannon still around? Um, can she be contacted? Oh, my God, yes. She was, she was at
6: Pagan Pride. Okay. She's happy can give
2: me contact information, I'll invite her also for an interview. And uh, we're running out of uh, time for our journey today. But I will say that uh, I've also been communicating with Lady Rhea and uh, my goal for the next month is to create a show uh, that will feature you and the Lady Rhea so that we can uh, create a platform for the Ptolemaic and the Minoan traditions uh, and carry on the legacy of uh, the magical child and find ways we can work together in the world and do good.
6: That would be my divine pleasure. Lady Rhiannon, by the way, is on my my friend's list, and you can find her there. Um, I just want to say to your people out there that I wish them all blessings, and I hope that what they're doing will give them strength in this new year. So far, it's a great year, and I'm I'm looking forward to much more.
2: And how can people... Um, explore the wonderful things you're doing. I, I know a lot of them are esoteric, uh, but is there anything exoteric that they can connect with and, and begin learning more about you in your life work? Yes. They can contact
6: me on Facebook if they wish. You can... Um, also, my, my own site, which is Phone a Wizard, and I teach um, by phone, so just like this, um, you know, one at a time. I prefer... Teaching people, rather than a group, I prefer one-on-one. You can Uh have much more time with someone, and you can give someone much more energy by themselves. Um, And I'm looking forward to meeting new students and creating initiations. And as I said a long time ago, I'm I'm looking for funding to build a temple. A place I want to call the Center for Ancient Knowledge. So that we can all work together right now. My temple is cyberspace.
2: <laughs> that, that is an awesome temple. Mine is mostly in cyberspace. We're going to start doing services in our home uh, very soon uh, for the next step. And uh, we've already been talking to places that uh, will hold more people in my living room. Uh, so that's one of my goals for 2019 as well. Um, and how close are me to you? I'm in uh, Tenafly, New Jersey, in uh, Bergen County. And I'm in Newark. Oh, you're very close. Okay, so the next step with us is for me to invite you and your significant other for uh, some dinner and uh, conversation.
6: Well, we might be able to cook because Joseph and I are very good cooks, so that would be wonderful.
2: Oh, awesome. We'll have a potluck then so we all get to cook. Yeah,
6: (laughs) yeah. You and your goddess Athena and myself and my husband, Joseph, Mm -hmm. who's definitely a big teddy bear, we'll all cook something wonderful and have a great time.
2: Fantastic. I'm greatly looking forward to it. Thank you for blessing us with uh, your presence on the show. And I am very much looking forward to all the wonderful things we'll all accomplish together uh, in 2019. So motive be, Uncle Jacques M. So voted be. Uh, take good care, Sentinel. I will speak with you soon.
6: Blessings, certainly. Good night.
2: Good night. We're going to take a brief musical break and listen to Bran Kadorian's King of Dreams. And then we'll be back with Hungarian uh, shaman Ivan Zendro, who is going to be doing some wonderful things in the months uh, ahead. And here's the song. This is Hercules Welcome back to Pride of Olympus We seem to be having a connectivity problem So uh, until it's solved I will play another song And uh, we're going to be listening to Bone Poets Orchestra's Walls are falling <laughs> Of Olympus. Our last guest for tonight is Hungarian shaman Ivan Zendro. Ivan founded a wonderful non for profit called The Legend of You that helps people uh, locate, um, immerse themselves in, and express their lives through the power of their legend. Uh, And tonight is the second of a continuing series of uh, programs that will culminate in an art exhibition in Nyack. And the episode is called The Shaman's First Step Toward Healing, Empty Me, Empty Stage. Greetings and welcome, Yvonne. Hey, how are you? How are you? Uh,
7: dear Hercules, um, we, uh, tonight we're going to uh, talk a little bit about a very risk-taking and, uh, and uh, edgy uh, situation when the shaman is... <laughs> Uh, moving from his old uh, traditional uh, position in, in a community,
2: which might be accept. Uh, Do you hear me? Yes, I hear you. There's a little um, oh. interference on the audio, but I can hear you clearly. Mm-hmm.
7: So uh, it's a little risky and edgy situation when a shaman. Uh, decides to move uh, away from uh, her or his old uh situation social position in a in a in a community in a, in his or her community and and it's a, uh, usually it's an uncomfortable situation and the first really first step is a escape a kind of what uh, whatever uh, Whatever comes, but not what I had before type of uh, a feeling and uh, further, I was in that situation too, when I grew up in a kind of very dictatorial uh, uh, society, and uh, I just wanted to something really else uh, and I didn't know what it is and this 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 is most of the time, it's a very usual situation that the escaper the, the who flies away from the old, doesn't know where he will end up, and
5: hmm. uh, uh,
7: you know, so that, that is a regular, regular scenario in the in the in the of the shamanic journey uh, uh, to to run away from the old but not clearly know where will what will come and uh, uh, in this situation why uh, that's why I'm saying that it's very risky in that that stage of, of, of the j- journey because uh, y- the, 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 the hero you might mm-hmm. stop, uh, or, or get lost in a kind of no man's land a, a, a brown zero or something, or in the like in the fairy tale. I hear some conversation.
5: On you right? Yeah, it's not coming across.
2: Okay, yeah, it's not coming across on this uh, on, on this side of the course. board.
7: Okay, I'm I'm going further. So, um, for example, in the fairy tale, this is when the hero. Starts his journey, and with his brothers are challenged to stop in a in a in a inn, in a, in a, to to drink and sleep in a in a inn, and his brothers are forgetting why they really went to their journey, and they stop there, but the hero, uh, hero has a a memory, a kind of restlessness memory, or at least a hunch, that he is chasing his happiness, or her happiness. And he's going further. Also, a shaman, in a shaman's uh, memories and his stories, many, many times happening, that the shaman who is wandering out from her Village or his village, and he, he finds himself in the woods or on the top of the mountain. he's stuck uh-huh. there, eating, eaten up by a bear or frozen in the snow, because he doesn't. He's forgetting. He's getting into a, a into a vacuum, a, 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 a space of vacuum where where every where he has no No really A clear judgment About reality Also this, he doesn't have Moral moral Control About what he What is right or what is not right uh, You know because This is a kind of This is what I call the Empty me Empty me me Yes and and uh, uh, I I I went through uh, that situation. It's a very very risky and very dangerous situation and very exciting because it 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 really galloping. your fantasy and your visions start to really go like crazy, uh, but without any moral or, or, or danger. Sensing the danger, uh, um, feelings. Uh, you, uh, it's clear what I'm saying? Hello? Yes, it's com- you're coming across very clearly. Okay, good, good, good. I, my, my little Hungarian ish um, uh, method of thinking maybe sometimes it makes me a little bit. Uh, questioning if people, understanding. It would be wonderful if they would you're respond. You're communicating
2: wonderfully and powerfully, Ivan. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, so um,
7: in this empty, empty me, empty stage, which interestingly, that uh, Peter Brook, who was uh, re- re- reinventing the theatre, or Grotowski is a uh, colleague a polish colleague in the same time in in the late 60s they invented a uh, the empty empty stage where there was nothing there was not nothing to cling on it or or to to belong to uh, uh and i can compare that empty me to that empty stage where you are absolutely absolutely bare absolutely naked and uh, and and but but without any any control of danger or moral control so this is very, really really very risky situation but but inevitable and here as the fairy tales uh, told us are the 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 select selecting uh, scenario like the brothers who forget why they went went to their journey and they stopped uh, with the drinking and sleeping
2: so, uh-huh.
7: uh, uh so um, uh that 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 is the taste of the real shama because the real shama has a punish a has a sixth sense that he has a call to be a shaman so he is not just a, a runaway kid a runaway person from the society and stays a homeless or a, a you know an a, 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 outsider but he starts to forge himself uh, Into a shava, and still he has a call. After that, which I all why I myself, Ivan, almost forget, that you have to go back to your village, to your society, and serve them with your knowledge. I'm sure Hercules, you went through through this uh, dilemma as well because oh yes it's so,
2: I, I recognize so it very well <laughs> so liberating
7: and and and, and, and
2: free thinking <laughs> and, 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 and free visionary
7: situation when your your visions start to really inundate you and uh, and, and, and 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 you you have no 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 boundary uh, where, where to go that you almost forget to come, come out from the forest, from the woods. Oh yes. But you have to, but you have to come back, and you have to serve, and don't expect that immediately your village or the society will, uh, uh, will, uh, will respect you like a shaman
5: or the or a messenger.
7: A healer? No, it is. I mean, because of shaman, shamanistic society is a very, very free and not institutional society. You have to struggle and you have to fight and and prove yourself every day to yep. be accepted, to be accepted as a shaman. If there is no free lunch. <laughs> no, Very well
5: said.
7: No, 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 no uh, secure tomorrow because yesterday you were uh, you were a respected shaman or you healed somebody. Tomorrow you don't have diploma. You don't have you don't have the the the, the, the club or, or 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 the the. The Chamber of Commerce, which gives you the the title and it, that is that you can put it up on the, on your on your uh, wall and that that is gives you credit for forever every day, just like in America to, yeah what you achieved yesterday is not a secure credit for tomorrow right. that's why I like to be here. Because this is a free society. There is no free no life. And that, is, that was the same in the uninstitutional, not the institutional village of the Saman time. So that's what I could say for today. And uh, uh, thanks God, thanks God, I was able to recognize that my new abilities, Healing abilities and visionary abilities are not just for my fun, uh, but for to serve others. Because yes. from that moment, I was able to to recreate my relation with people who I was distance, distancing
5: myself so much,
7: and step by step, I I really created a warm and 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 and, and mm-hmm. really really loving relation with with my uh, near near village, which is uh, Nayak, Pirman, <laughs> and my old village in Hungary, where I must find my legend, and now I have 700 people daily messaging and warmly me sending message for example for my birthday which uh-huh. uh on a Saturday i have so many messages so but but also and i i will finish i don't know what is the time okay we have still we, time. we still about um,
2: 7 uh, minutes or so so um yeah 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 yes yeah. for example that
7: that that new approach that recognition to serve and connect with other people, and not living in my shamanic ivory tower, uh, give the the uh, the opportunity to know this wonderful Brazil graphic novel uh, artist team who created my 200 page graphic novel uh-huh. about my legend, which I made a movie, which in not mars in mars but in april 27 save your day april 27 in nayark in a community center i will show the film i created a film based on my graphic novel which is based on my legend which is based yes. on my on my uh, incredible uh, desperate uh, situation and running away from my old, old history and old life. So that that is that is the connection between my wonderful and and really really beautiful film, which on April 27th the Mayak Center,
5: uh-huh.
7: I will show to 200 or 400 people. I know the judge of blood versus the shaman, so please remember that and be with me and let's dance in israel yes. uh, for the for uh, for the trial for our triumph over darkness called uh, demons inside at all
2: right?
0: I couldn't have said it better. That's that's
2: exactly what the shaman's life is all about. Uh, the, exactly. the adventure never ends. The hero journey never ends. Uh, it touches us all in, in its unique way. However, the journey is mapped from the dawn of time. Uh, so uh, uh, although the the, the gods and the monsters and the powerful beings might have different faces and different names, uh, the process of awakening remains uh, the same. And uh, I salute you for bringing uh, Hungarian shamanism uh, to the world and keeping the legacy alive uh, and showing that it is vital and that it is important, and by producing art, which is uh one of our grandest expressions, our creativity, our most divine power. Well, so well, you're doing a great that thing, Ivan. That was the incredible
7: shamanic new new uh, chance for me that I didn't get my shamanic knowledge in a kind of esoteric, musal, ancient form. But I said today, today, uh, uh, folklore, the pop art. Why not to make a graphic novel from my ancient legend? Right. And here we go. Now I have a, a beautiful 200-page graphic novel on my ancient legend and a beautiful film on my ancient legend. The know The Judge of Blood versus Shaman. Mm-hmm. So yes, and I am. I'm, I'm so thrilled, and I can make thrilled you two, And we will come together on that uh, April 27th, And before the film will be uh, screened, we'll make a dance uh, competition. Everybody can dance their legend and their their incredible shamanic triumph against darkness, demons. And dictators, whatever is your, whatever is your legend, come, bring your mascara, bring your uh, costume, and bring your dance with you, and dance, and and compete in 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 making life. Compete with me. Compete with others. Okay
2: okay thank you so very much Yvonne uh, uh, I'm looking forward to part three of this uh, series and I'm looking forward to attending uh, your event with uh, your movie um, and uh, I'm very grateful that uh, you've given your time to be on tonight's show and sharing your journey with uh, our listeners
7: and dear listeners still remember my email
2: the legend you can of
7: share it you you the legend of you at com, and anybody who would like to hear more about this please call me have a
5: wonderful
2: thank night thank you and please you as well I definitely will, and so will our listeners, and if anyone didn't catch uh, the contact information on uh, Facebook where we're promoting the show, uh, there are links to Yvonne's uh, Facebook page, to the Legend of You's uh, Facebook page, and also to their website, so this way you can uh, contact uh, Yvonne through there. Uh, thank you very much again, Yvonne, and thank you to all who I joined the very much. Training. and I will I talk to you soon, you my friend. Too, Bye now.
1: Okay. Bye-bye. Who am I? What am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Is there a purpose to all of us? Join Hercules and Victus and crew as they seek answers to these and other timeless questions and serve Mount Olympus by safeguarding the path of mystic ascension Welcome to the Pride of Olympus. Olympian blessings to all who have joined us on our adventure. Now go forth and create a better world, one filled with life and love. of the pride of Olympus and her crew, may your journeys be joyous.